0: Oh, y'all are not ready, apparently. You can take your order of worship, you can follow the outline there, or you can jump on the Bible app and you can search events, we're on there too, you can follow the outline. The, pr- the thing is, though, if you get on the app, don't share it with everybody, because all the answers are already there, okay? So you've got a leg ahead of everybody else. We're going to jump into the book of Mark this morning, but before we do that, I want to remind you of one thing. This week is the kickoff to the week of prayer for our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Yes, Annie Armstrong is a few weeks away, but we're going to begin that week of prayer this week. The prayer guides are in the foyer, and you can grab one of those on the way out. Or, if you follow us on Facebook, there should be a video pop-up every day where you can get details about the prayer prompt for the day. And we'll share those throughout um, our Sunday services leading up to Easter, too, as we... As the time passes, we've got about seven or eight weeks as we prepare for that. But we want to make sure you have all the resources that you need as we begin to pray for our, our missionaries and look toward that offering. So you can grab a, a prayer guide in the foyer or you can follow on Facebook this week as we'll have a new prayer prompt every day this week. So we're going to jump into the book of Mark this morning. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you a spoiler too. I'm going to give you the main point at the very beginning. That way if you fall asleep, you at least have something. Okay. Here's the point today. Jesus is calling us to action. Jesus is calling us to action. He's calling us to fulfill the Great Commission in our lives. That's the whole point. If you looked at Mark 1 this morning in your Bible study time, you covered a lot of ground. But we cannot forget the call on our lives. And as a church, we live life in groups. In families in friendships in your workplace groups we live in groups and being a member of Baron Cross it's all about groups we call our morning Bible study groups life groups for a reason that's where we share life that's where we encourage each other that's where we dig deeper into what it means to be a follower of Jesus but there's also a next step along the journey that we need to discuss at some point in the future but for now What you need to know is you need to invest in group life at Baring Cross. That's where growth happens. That's where friendships happen. That's where life happens. So as we study the book of Mark together, the next 10, 12, 13 weeks, in order to get the full picture of what we're studying, a deeper understanding of the text, it's important to go to Bible study. Go to morning Bible study, and you'll get that. If you're a, a children or youth teacher, well, youth are walking with us, but you're in the children's ministry or you're in an, another Bible study group that's studying something different, make sure you read along in the book of Mark with us to stay up to date, and I'll try to fill in the gaps along the way as we go. But the worship service, the only thing we're doing here is bridging the gap. We're bridging the gap between the text and Scripture in your life. That's all the Sunday sermon is. It's not... It is not the sustenance you need to live, live a day-to-day Christian life. And I've shared this with you before. It is not the meat and potatoes that you need for nourishment. That's where You get that in Bible study. So my challenge for you is to grab a study guide and join a group. Now I'm going to share you, with you my personal preference. Uh, Explore the Bible stuff is incredible. And most of you have personal study guides. My favorite is the Daily Discipleship Guide. James, your class uses these guides, and this great guide as you prepare the text for the day, and then it gives you a, a study, a paragraph study for each day following your Sunday lesson. So it's a great study guide to use. Uh, if you don't, if you're not in one of those groups, or you need a Bible study book or a devotion book, James will hook you up with one of these. These are great. These are great guides. I use these every day as I'm preparing. Uh, to teach and lead. So these study guides are great. I encourage everyone to grab one of those as they prepare to walk through Mark with us together. Uh, As you learned this morning, the book of Mark is all about action. This gospel spurs us to action, causing us to take the truth we hold in our hearts and demonstrate it with our hands. For many today, Christianity is about morality, knowledge, or social connections. But for the first century Christians, it was first about identity with Jesus, following after Him and doing what He did and obeying His commands. So this spring, as we walk through this powerful book together, I'm going to challenge you. You may just find yourself asking a few questions. Asking the question, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? And we're going to answer that. When Jesus calls out, come, follow me, through the next 10, 12 weeks, we're going to discover what does that really mean in our personal lives. A few facts to remember about the Gospel of Mark as we get going. The Gospel moves quickly. It hits hard. It's the shortest of the four Gospel accounts if you look in the New Testament. Mark, in almost a rapid-fire format, shares specific events from the life of Jesus. And his purpose is to prove to a Roman audience that he is indeed the Christ, the Son of God. Mark colors the portrait of the suffering servant that we see painted by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. So today, I want to answer a question, okay? We're going to answer one question. What does it take to build a great movement? Now, this question was asked by Daniel Akin in the commentary, the Christ-centered exposition of Mark. And he asked this question. And we find the answer in Mark chapter 1. What does it take to build a great movement. And I know some of you sitting in your chairs today would absolutely agree with me with the fact that there, a movement needs to take place in our society. We have to shift back to Jesus because we're in trouble. Well, how does that movement begin? And what is our role to play in that movement? I want to answer those questions. And there are three essentials to building a great movement. Okay, I'm going to give you the answer right here. Again, if you fall asleep, you'll have something on your page that you can take home. Three essentials to building a great movement. Number one, a compelling vision. A compelling vision. Essential number two, good people. You need good people to build a great movement. And number three, you need a great leader. You need a great leader to build a An incredible movement. This is how God builds his kingdom. We see these details flesh out in Mark chapter 1. In order to be successful, any group must proclaim the right message, find the right people, and follow the right master. So today I want to discuss the success of our church and the people who claim to be committed to the mission of Jesus. As we dive here into Mark 1, let's draw a few conclusions about our own situation as we observe these essentials to building a great movement. Let's pray. And then we're going to read Mark chapter 1, just five verses, 15 through 20. Mark chapter 1. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we open your word right now, that you would speak to our hearts. That as we acknowledge all the evil and the struggles and the pain and the temptations of the world, there are a few essentials that we must remember. And that you call us out to do an incredible work. And I pray that we would never forget that. So God, as we read your words, as we hear your message for us, I pray that you would mold our hearts that you would speak directly to us and give us a message to follow. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we read this word together, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Passing alongside the sea, well, I'm going to back up. That's 16. Jesus begins his ministry, and we see the interaction about John the Baptist. And then Jesus says this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We've heard that before. Verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Okay. And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And they imme- in- immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Here we see Jesus. He's, next, he's at the sea. What's the name of the sea? The Sea of Galilee. This Sea of Galilee is a beautiful freshwater lake that's fed by the waters of the upper Jordan. This sea is 700 feet below sea level, 14 miles long, 6 miles wide. The Jewish historian Josephus recorded that up to 330 fishing boats sailed that lake. It was a place populated with workers. Around here, much of Jesus' ministry takes place as we continue reading the Gospels. Now, as he interacts with these individuals in this story, we're not sure if there's been a previous interaction between Jesus and these men. Probably so. There was probably some sort of interaction before. But we're not certain about how deep that interaction has been. They may have been followers of John, or maybe they were just in the crowd when Jesus was preaching. But as we see in the text, Jesus declared a message. Verse 15. He gave them a mission. And then in 16 through 20, he calls out followers. So let's go back to our question. What are the essential ingredients to a great movement? Number one, vision. Vision. What is being asked here by Jesus? What is Jesus asking? Jesus is telling them, follow me. This idea is mentioned frequently in the book of Mark. As you read the book, it draws us to a discipleship relationship with Him. The original text uses several different words, leading the reader to understand Mark's description as responding to a summons, attachment to a person, acceptance of authority, and an imitation of example. Mark is leading the reader or the follower to a continual pursuit of a goal. And that goal is to what? Follow me and then what? You will fish for people. You will fish for people. This idea, fishing for people, can easily be associated with the task of the occupation of the follower, right? The people, the men that Jesus was calling out, what was their occupation? They were fishermen. So we draw the immediate connection, don't we? We draw that immediate connection. Well, that makes sense. He would say you'll fish for people because they were fishermen. And we're okay with that answer. But it goes deeper than that. If you'll dig into the text, if you'll dig deep into the text, and then you take a step back and look at the Old Testament picture, the grand narrative of Scripture, you'll see something incredible. You'll see something incredible. This idea, this idea of fishing for people is found in the Old Testament. Look with me at Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah 16. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt for them. From every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rock, for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations. So there we see in Jeremiah. But let's move over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 29. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of his streams, that says my Nile is my own. I made it for myself. I will put, listen to this. I will put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your streams stick to your scales. And I will draw you up out of the midst of your streams with all the fish of your streams that stick to your scales. And I will cast you out in the wilderness. You and all the fish of your streams, you shall fall on the open field and not be brought together or gathered. To the beasts of the earth and the birds of the heavens I give you as food. And then again in Amos. The book of Amos, chapter 4. The Lord God had sworn by His holiness that, behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks. What's the purpose of these references in the Old Testament? They're all talking about one thing, judgment. It's talking about God judging the people in their sin. The prophets describe gathering people with fishhooks for judgment. Jesus seized this language and its meaning and called his followers to a task. Yes, they were fishermen, but he had a bigger picture to fulfill. They were being called to the task of rescuing his people from the impending judgment that will soon come, that will soon follow his coming, or the coming of his kingdom. You see, Jesus' coming... And the coming of God's kingdom that we're going to hear about in the book of Mark as we study demands an answer. The price that He paid for our sin demands an answer. That's a judgment for sin, and He's going to pay that price. But He's calling the followers out beforehand to prepare the way for that. We see in that Old Testament that God is fishing for people. And in the New, Jesus' followers are called to fish Jesus' ministry and message calls for repentance. We see that in verse 15. Therefore, fishing has become necessary. My friends, today fishing is necessary because judgment is coming. We are called to share the good news. We are called to share the message of reconciliation with the world around us. This message demands repentance and belief. And the result is developing a new crop of fishermen. We see that in Matthew 28. Our goal is not conversion. It's a development of a new crop of fishermen who will bring repentance and peace instead of judgment and condemnation. The vision is clear. That compelling vision is clear. Jesus is calling us to fish. Follow me, and I'll do a great work. Do a great work. The second ingredient to a great movement is what? People. You need good people. You need good people. So speaking of people, speaking of fishermen, it should not be lost on the reader the significance of calling fishermen to the task of disciple-making. Jesus found these men at the workplace and implored them to leave their nets behind. The occupation of a fisherman was not an easy one. Their work could be difficult and physically demanding as they cast their nets We see all through Scripture these references. They hauled in their catch and they sorted their fish. They washed and they mended their nets. They cooked the fish. They sold the fish. Their work required long days and nights. They had to balance the times of lean and times of plenty while fighting the wind and the waves of everyday life. Does that sound familiar? Here we see a picture of a hard-working everyday man. One who's trying to put food on the table to provide for his family. Jesus seeks these ordinary men out and calls them to action. And this call is urgent. This call demands that these men leave their nets behind and totally commit to the mission of Jesus. Based on tradition, follower or a student would seek out a rabbi for training. Choosing that occupation, students would seek after a rabbi that they would follow. But here, Jesus, his method is fundamentally different. The master sought the student. He sought after them. He pursued them. And guess what? He does the same thing today. He does the same thing. Jesus is looking for people who will commit to him, who will learn from him. Who will follow him. Now, let me ask you a question. What is required of the follower? What is required of the follower? Big picture, absolutely nothing, right? Is there any prerequisite to being a follower of Jesus? Is there any box you have to check in order to be eligible to be a follower? No. No, there's not. Besides immediacy, right? Sally, you said it. Unconditional commitment. It's necessary. It's like signing a blank contract. Get this. Jesus presents us with a contract and he says, follow me. Sign the dotted line. But guess what, guys? I'm going to fill in the blanks. Okay? You just sign the blank contract and I'll take care of the rest. Now, y'all think that's crazy, right? Would you ever sign a contract that you didn't know what the contents that were in it? Would you agree to follow or be a part of something that you didn't have a clue what it meant to follow or be a part of? That doesn't make sense, does it? I'm sure no one has ever signed a contract or agreed to terms of service without reading the fine print. I'm sure you've never checked that box on the application or when you've signed up for that app or that program or that software, you never... Have you read all the fine print before you check the box? We do it every day, don't we? But when it comes to Jesus, we hesitate. Why is that? But here we see, they called... Jesus called them out, and what did they do? They dropped everything and followed. The compelling vision necessitated a response. Now we might think, you know what, that's kind of crazy. We see even a few of them left their father behind. But let's not shake our finger at them because he had a pretty wealthy business. I mean, if you read the text, Zebedee had servants. So he made a little money because he hired people other than his family members. So he was going to be okay. But the vision was compelling enough for them to drop everything and go. Drop everything and go. Why is this? Well, the third ingredient for incredible movement is a great master. If you're going to follow a vision, if you're going to be a people who's going to sacrifice all and give up everything to fulfill a vision, you've got to have a great leader. You've got to have a great leader. So who is this great master or this great leader? It's Jesus. And as we go on this journey together and we learn so much about why Jesus did what he did and the implications of the things that he said and the actions that he did and the places that he went and the interactions with the people that he had, we're going to see how incredibly deep Incredibly wise the master is. But we have a problem, and I'll just admit it, we all struggle with this problem. When it comes to following the master, we struggle with the master, don't we? Let me put it this way, sometimes we follow the wrong master, don't we? And some of that, sometimes that master is me. You know, you sit at home and you think, I know, Jesus, you want me to do something, but I really don't want to do that. Don't we? Or you know what? We hear Jesus calling us to do something incredible or to step out in faith. And we think, my friends will think I'm crazy. So I'm not going to follow you. We struggle because we end up following the wrong master so much in our lives. It's one of the questions we have to ask ourselves. What master are you following? And the key is determining to follow the right master and resolving to follow only him makes all the difference in your world. It makes all the difference. When you choose every day to follow the master and not allow your life to be dictated by that of the world or other people it makes all the difference in your life all the difference in the life of those around you so let's answer that question real quick based on the study that you did this morning who is the master we see that and then we look in mark chapter one just in chapter one we see that jesus verse one he's called the christ the son of god Verse 3, He's called the Lord. Verse 7, the Mighty One, the Worthy One. Verse 8, the one, who is, the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Different than anyone else who's ever baptized. Verse 10, the Spirit announced one. He fulfilled prophecy. Verse 11, the Beloved Son, the One who pleases God. Incredible. In verse 15, the one who brings the kingdom of God. We're going to see that contrast all throughout this study about how ushering in God's kingdom meant one thing to God's people when in reality Jesus was doing something else. And they just didn't get it. Mark here begins to paint a picture of Jesus in chapter 1 through his connection to John the Baptist. His baptism, the temptation in the wilderness. Guys, there's so much in chapter 1. You just want to spend a month just studying that one chapter. Calling of His disciples. And then we see as we continue in chapter 1 the initiation of His ministry. What all does Jesus do? We'll see this, compi- this picture continue to develop fully as we continue this study. So I'd encourage you to stay tuned, to lock in. To read the Word and study it with your life groups. Fully invest in the kingdom of God during this spring. And I promise you, you'll never regret it. If you're not connected to a Bible study group, get connected. This is the perfect time as we're jumping into a new study. Perfect time to join a group and to study together. You don't know? You have questions about that? Ask me. We'll connect you to a group because it's an incredible time to study the life of Jesus. Come back tonight and be a part of that study as we take the next step together and we look at that forgotten Jesus that we so easily miss. Stay tuned and keep reading. Guys, that's why we come here. That's why we gather every week to dig deeper and to learn more and to grow closer to Jesus. What does it take to build a great movement? Three essentials it takes vision. There's a call to discipleship. So the question I have for you is, have you answered the call? Just like Jesus did with those fishermen, he's calling you, not just to salvation, but to a great work, to participate in the incredible ministry of reconciliation. He's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to a discipleship relationship. Essential two is people. And we read the text and we see who the people were. But my question is who are the people now? That's me and that's you. So are you ready? Are you ready to answer the call and follow Jesus? But we have to remember who are we following? the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. So that's a daily commitment. That's a daily commitment that, you know what, today I'm going to follow you, Jesus, and I'm going to do it now. I'm going to forsake everything else, and I'm going to trust and follow you. It's urgent. It's immediate. It's a blank contract, but it's worth it. We're going to go on an incredible journey together the next few months as we study the life of Jesus together. I encourage you to take part in that. Dig in deep as we see what it really means to be a follower of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you so much. For the words of Mark and the incredible content that we've looked at this morning, just in that first chapter. And as we see the interaction that your son has had with his disciples, calling them to a relationship their immediate response and obedience. And as we see, as we will continue to see that relationship develop, I pray that we would resolve ourselves to answer the call and to follow and to follow. Father, we would take up arms and be ready to fulfill the task of the Great Commission in our lives. That we would make an impact on the world around us loving others and sharing the good news of the gospel father may this spring be incredibly fruitful as we grow closer to you and we share the love of god with others in your son's name we pray amen